What does it look like to live fully into your ethnic identity in a predominantly white organization? What mm-hmm. does that mean? Mm-hmm. How do I lead mm-hmm. in my way? Mm-hmm. You know, especially for those of us who have been discipled primarily by white men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I do it my wow. way? You know, for me oh, as a woman, Puerto Rican, yeah, yeah, yeah. because this is how it's been defined for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to do that and it's worked. Mm-hmm. And then other places failed. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin, let's begin, let's begin, let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber with Sit Up Podcast. And as always, we are thankful for you tuning in and uh, following along with us on this journey. Today, uh, we are finishing up uh, a series with uh, innovators and planters and entrepreneurs who work at the underground. I have been thoroughly, uh, thoroughly impressed by these folks and what they're doing. You know, you may have heard something that you don't agree with. You may have some questions. You might have a little pushback, you know, and that's to be understood. This is a dialogue. This is public discourse. But I I am thoroughly impressed at how they have been able to create and make a space where leaders of color with entrepreneurial spirits, feel free to create. That's just rare in a lot of places, especially in a lot of places in Christian um, space. So kudos to them and their work uh, and to uh, all that they are doing. Some questions I want to tease out today with this, this last interview is, do you think there is a difference when people of color are are there from the beginning, when they are there shaping the thought, creating culture of what the organization or project or work will be, and challenging whiteness from the beginning, do you think there's a difference? How... Does listening play into the way you start something? That's an important question. How are your programs created? Are there people of color there from the beginning? Are you listening? Are they a part of the creation of what you are proposing as a program or a project or an organization. How how is funding maintained? How 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 strategic are you around funding when you're talking about people of color raising money and being a part of that process? That's a whole nother another topic I think we need to probably hit at some point, uh, but that is a question in this space. What does it mean for you to lead your way if you're a person of color? How do you lead with who you are? Have you been discipled by a white male? 
And if you have, how does that play into the expression of your leadership? How much is yours and how much has been embedded in you through the culture in which you were discipled? I think that I think there's some conversation there. I think there are things we need to tease out and talk about and put on public discourse. Because I'm thinking there's probably something different in that process than if you were if you were formed in within your own cultural connection points, your own church, your own community, uh, your own families, things like that. And I don't, those are, those are not judgments. Those are differences that need to be talked about. Please get me straight on this. One isn't better than the other. Some might, some might argue that, but I'm not stating that. I'm, I'm wondering what the differences are when it relates to identity and leaderships, leadership possibilities and structures. Have you colluded with white supremacy? Think about that question. Where do we collude with white supremacy? What does that look like in our lives? How does that play out? Does that play out in our economically, right? Does that play out uh, socially? Does that play out in a class and culture, are there places that you and I collude with white supremacy? Is that is that more comfortable when we do? So that's a good question, I think. How do we keep leaders of color in place? Right? Um, we know that there's a lot of turnover in a lot of places around leaders of color. There are a lot of, lot of places around. I live in Portland, Oregon. I'll tell you that I know plenty of leaders of color who come here, stay here for a little while, and then leave. What's with that? Why does that happen? What will it take for longevity to happen as spaces diversify. And how do you how do you keep people of color in place even when there are there are voices of color there from the beginning? There's still this challenge to keep leaders of color. How do we do that? What does that look like? I'm excited today because this last interview is going to be with Melissa Cordero, who was there from the beginning as the underground um, was started. And she has a really good perspective and some advice to give on these things. She's a great leader. She uh, is a, a leader of color, woman of color, which I, I you know, I'm I'm biased and I'm, I admit it that I'm I think women of color are are our way forward in so many ways. And here's another one that I think we need to hear. Can't wait for you to hear Melissa's interview. This is Leroy Barber. This is the Sit Up Podcast. 
Be right back. It can seem that nothing leaves a mark like wounds do, but the funny thing about wounds is given time to heal, they make the most beautiful tattoos. Some people call them scars. But in the eyes of the right beholder, they can be art. Love doesn't keep secrets. Love chooses to see, forgiving and accepting that you've been forgiven can set you free. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath. Counts of ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. So... Minority re- leadership development. That's a unique position. I haven't heard um, that <laughs> position very much. So you're going to have to tell us. It sounds a lot fancier than it really is. <laughs> so, so you're going to have to tell us what, what that, what, what do you do? Like, what does that mean? And how, what's your, tell me a typical work day. How about we start there? Typical work day. Wow. Well, I think, um, Initially, this this role was created specifically for me. Um, So I've been a part of this community since its inception. Um, But I was doing full time ministry with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And after I left there, um, I had a conversation with the executive director and he was just kind of asking, well, what are you sensing from the Lord? And Mm -hmm. I've always had a deep passion and burden for um, leaders of color. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my work, even with InterVarsity, was working with Latino leaders in mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. planting um, Latino fellowships around Florida. Um, and so I just, that was something I was still passionate about, mobilizing leaders of color, you know, mm-hmm. recognizing men. We have this missional movement that uh, is very white. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. where are the people of color? Right, right, where are right. they? Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. they have dreams, they have visions, they have a call, mm-hmm. um, but they're not being represented. They seem to be invisible or um, left, hmm. you know, behind. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I just felt like I want to see that change. Mm-hmm. And so he invited me to be on his staff team. Um, and he gave me this really sexy title <laughs> and with really no sort of description, he was uh-huh. just like, you create this, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, you create your, your job description. And so really, uh, for my first two years on staff, I just listened. Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. went around I mean, we had, um, a lot of people of color in our movement. And so I just went around and I hosted these smaller gatherings and just listened to, you know, what do you need? What are some of the barriers to you as a leader and mm-hmm. um, what what are what are some of the ways that we can support you what are the ways that maybe we're hindering you mm-hmm. and so I just really listened because oh, I didn't want okay. to s- create a program mm-hmm. that I thought well this is what people need mm-hmm. um, you know I, I wanted to hear from them firsthand mm-hmm. and it was just really great um, hearing we have a lot of bivocational leaders here so not everyone's in full-time ministry we have a lot of working professionals but that also feel this call to do this other thing Uh um, alongside their work and you know uh, obviously fundraising has always been a huge barrier to Mm -hmm. people because there are people that they're like I would love to be in full-time ministry but I can't do this thing Mm -hmm. this thing Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. it's a mountain that I am not willing to climb Um, so from there, um, you know, I uh, we we hosted this um, conference called Voice of Legacy that's specifically for black leaders. Mm-hmm. And it was a really great space where we, we did it jointly with InterVarsity. Um, 
And we realized, man, this was such a great weekend of encouragement, affirmation, empowerment. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what do we do with these leaders now? Right. Where do you know? How do we continue to uh-huh. develop and equip uh-huh. them and help them? Um, and so, you know, I I actually got to be a part of um, a roundtable discussion at. Vol, that's what we call it, Voice of Legacy Vol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, listening to these black leaders talk about, like, this is what helped me mm-hmm. grow. Mm-hmm. This is what helped me um, in, in step into leadership. These are the people that came alongside. Me. Like, these, these were the things, these three things, you know. And so we created basically a, a, a program designed specifically for leaders of color mm-hmm. to engage in conversation that are relevant to them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. specific to them and their experiences and we called it the roots project Mm -hmm. and so the roots project um is is basically a cohort we this we're in our second year and we started with like 20 leaders and we you know people wanted to talk about ethnic identity and what does it look like to live fully into your ethnic identity in a predominantly white organization what Mm -hmm. does that mean Mm -hmm. how do i lead Mm -hmm. in my way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know especially for those of us who have been discipled primarily by white men Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um how do i do it my way you know for me as a woman puerto rican yeah yeah yeah. because this is how it's been defined for Mm -hmm. me Mm -hmm. and i've tried to do that and it's worked Mm -hmm. and then other places failed you know, miserably. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But that's not how God has called me to lead, you know, having conversations about, um, you know, one of our, our, our classes is called um, in and out of the sunken place, you know? (laughs) And so we Uh like go there, we talk about anti-blackness. We talk Mm. about, you know, the ways that we have colluded with white supremacy, the ways that we have compromised and left our ethnicity and our culture Mm -hmm. at the door Mm -hmm. so that we could be heard and accepted and the cost of that mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, and and we've just created these spaces where it's like, let's talk, let's Mm -hmm. have real talk, real Mm -hmm. conversation, Mm -hmm. the conversations Mm -hmm. that we do not get to have. Mm -hmm. Let's have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Let's support each other. Um, And so for me, that, that has, that's probably the, where I've invested most of my time, but Organizationally, I think my role is to advocate for leaders of color. My role is to make sure that we as an organization are actually living up to our values of biblical justice Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. culture and ethnicity, Mm -hmm, empowerment. mm -hmm. These are the things that we value, but are we actually doing that for people of color? Uh And so I'm here to listen and to sit at the table and say, nope, nope, training department. That's not, that's actually not what people of color need, need. you know, and so even being a consultant to Hmm. all the departments Uh uh and really, you know, always um, asking those hard questions, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, does that translate? to a, a Haitian American man. Right. Does that actually translate? Does mm-hmm. it make sense mm-hmm. to the work that they're doing, how God has created them culturally, ethnically? You know, so I, I think I'm a bit of a troublemaker here. Huh. So but that's interesting <laughs> because your title is minority leadership development, mm-hmm. but you're actually developing the organization to understand how to bring leaders of color in. That that it sounds like that's more the work you're doing? Um, yeah, I guess so. I never thought about it that way. But yeah. Right. Yeah, because because you're trying to get the organization to see, or this is what it sounds like to me anyway, to see and understand 
the different leadership styles and perspectives and culture of the leaders of color that come come here. Right. right. Is is that accurate? I, I think so. I think you're right because you know I, I think it's we're good at recruiting mm-hmm. people of color. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and I think we're okay at retaining people mm-hmm. of color, but where we need to grow is promoting mm-hmm. people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think I, 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 you know, we, you heard the our, our numbers. I mean, we're half right. leaders of color. Yeah. You know, so we're we're doing all right. You mm-hmm. know, diversity mm-hmm. is not our problem. Mm-hmm. Retention. Um, and, and like the sustainability of those leaders, mm-hmm. that's where we're trying to work. But the actual like, OK, what does it look like to promote those leaders? You know, when you talk about those senior level right. positions, because I don't think I'm going to be here forever. And I'm always thinking about, you know, who's going to replace me? Mm-hmm. Who's mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. after me? Mm-hmm. Who are the mm-hmm. women and men that I need to invest in? So I do. I coach, too. So I'm a part of Actually. the coaching department. So I coach mm-hmm. um, 10 leaders all leaders of color mm-hmm. that are doing um, mm-hmm. micro churches as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I, and I think that's part of how my role has evolved, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. I've, I've been creating my job, mm-hmm. you know? And um, right now, yeah, I, I would say that I'm, I am trying to help our organization um, actually uh, be a just organization huh. that is allowing people to live um, to to not have to check their their ethnicity mm-hmm. at the door. I mm-hmm. think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if I can ensure that people of color, when they enter through those doors, when they come to anything underground, that they feel like I could be fully myself here. Now I don't care if it makes anybody uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I can be fully yeah. me here. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like I've done I've done my job. Right. You know. That's good. That's good. That's good. So. So you you were part of the underground from the beginning. Yes. Right. So ten years, uh, and uh, you feel like your voice was in there from the beginning, helping form it, which which probably plays out in why y'all have been able to um, attract so many leaders of color because your your voice around getting the organization together from the beginning has always been there, but yet. There is still um, a breakdown um, for leaders of color, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's something significant. Like, where do you think that? St- why do you think that still happened in our organization? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. So that so that <laughs> other people, so that folks listening to this can go, oh, those are here are some. Mm-hmm. Clues or some things that we have to look out for as we grow yeah. or build as an organization. I mean, I think part of it is that. So one, I think the the where I have trying to where I have been trying to push our organization is realizing that we do not live in a vacuum, mm-hmm. and there are things happening in our nation mm-hmm. uh, that do affect us. You know, and even though we're doing some things right Mm -hmm. and well in the Mm -hmm. area of like racial justice, like we are not somehow uh, shielded from white supremacy and from that demonic spirit Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. it because it is baked into the fabric of every institution Mm -hmm. in this nation, um, we, we cannot somehow think that that it 
has not infected us. It has not made its way in here. We also need to remember that it, it evolves and adapts. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this sin, this wickedness has mm-hmm. been around for a long time, and it is very good at evolving and adapting adapting to its environment. And and I think here, it's like we do have something really special in the sense that we have people of color in uh, senior level positions. Right. But the problem is that none of us have experienced that before, mm, right? Wow. So okay. it's like white men actually do not have experience of, of leading alongside a woman of color, of that being their peer. And so wow. things begin to stir up. And, 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 and I think we're kind of hesitant to label as that's called that's racism. That's mm-hmm. sexism. Mm-hmm. Because I'm here. Right. Right. right like, right. isn't my presence proof that we've arrived? Hmm. You know, and um, I remember listening to a podcast with Allie Henney. So I, I think she was on Pass the Mic with Jamar Tisby and Tyler Burns. And she said something that it just blew me away. She was just like, you know, I think we realized that, you know, so we've been invited to the table, but we're sitting in a folding chair and all of them are in leather chairs. Mm. You know, we're, we're eating the we're eating a meal together, but you ordering steak and potatoes and I'm ordering off the kids menu. Mm, wow. You know, and I think those are things that we realize like, man, just just because people's presence are here, just because my voice here does not actually mean that justice has been achieved and that we need to always be wondering, looking, where has it seeped in? Where has has it come and, mm. and infected the ways mm-hmm. we see each other? Like it, we have to be asking those mm-hmm. questions. I don't mm-hmm. think we can ever think that we have arrived yeah. You know, and yeah. we have certain yeah. measurements. And it's so funny because I think, you know, you think about the evangelical church and after the election of Trump, of course, we're like looking at them like well, we're definitely not like them people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're out there doing crazy stuff, saying right. crazy stuff. And and I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, that that's still the body. Mm-hmm. And we're a part of that body. That's still family. Mm-hmm. Those are still our cousins. Maybe we mm-hmm. don't like them. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're saying crazy stuff, mm-hmm. but that's still our family. And we can't somehow think that because we don't look like them and we're not doing things like that, that we're good. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. at some point, our standard cannot be that church or this church or that denomination. It has to be the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like there needs to be a sense of humility. Like we can never lose that sense of humility. Like we have not arrived until Jesus returns with that scepter of justice. <laughs> Uh-huh. We always need to be asking that question, like, where's injustice here? Where's white? Where where are we like dancing with white supremacy? Because it, it, it it's not just one way, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And and I just think that that this country was founded mm-hmm. on racism, uh-huh, uh-huh. on patriarchy. So just because you have women of color at the table doesn't mean we've solved the problem. Right, right. Doesn't mean that the women of color that are there aren't also struggling with that within themselves. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. And I just think we have to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, and the moment we stop asking the questions, the moment yeah. we think we've arrived, we have we failed. Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're at this table, and I know it hasn't been perfect, but um, we are thankful for you and your work. How can people get in touch with you if they want to want to ask you some questions? Yeah, so I can be reached by email, Melissa, M-E-L-Y, my mom was trying to be different, M-E-L-Y-S-S-A at TampaUnderground.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Melly C, M-E-L-Y-C-0-3, and you know, reach out to me. I, I would love, I would love to talk with people that have same heart, same passion. And, you know, we got to work together. We have to do this together. Yeah. We're all fighting our fights in our own places. And, and we have to remember that, that 
I'm trying to hold it down here in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Y'all mm-hmm. over there in Portland mm-hmm. holding it down, right, but right, we're right. doing this together. Same fight. All right. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks yeah. for your time, Melissa. Appreciate you. Yes. Thank you. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin.